Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. And for the month of June, if you are a Moving Iron Podcast listener, you can get 3% off of a set of tires and wheels for your uh, for your combine. So check that out. Uh, use the word combine kit at checkout there and you will get yourself a 3% discount. So make sure you do that. Take full advantage of that. Uh, also, Tractor Zoom delivering insights. Looking for a great place to track what's going on in the auction market. No better place than Tractor Zoom. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing out of Morton, Illinois, and he's nice enough to come on once a week and talk about what's going on. And today just happens to be a report day, Chip. And looks like to me, the USDA was kind of favorable corn and bullish a little bit on the soybeans and stuff but nonetheless it really is just uh it's been driven this market's being driven by the weather so i guess what's your reaction to this report yeah it's all about the weather for sure um and and you hit the nail on the head bullish on the corn the market had somewhat expected a cut and carry out on old crop corn because demand's been so good both uh, ethanol and exports and we got that 150 million bushels lower to 1.107 uh, billion bushels on the old crop. They didn't do anything on the new crop, but they flowed through that 150 uh, million bushel decrease and it dropped our new crop carry out to 1.357, um, about a nine and a half percent stocks to use ratio for new crop, 7% for old crop. That exactly matches the tightest ever in 2012. And keep in mind this billion three five seven new crop corn carryout. That's what the one seventy nine and a half yield, and the way the weather is shaping up, that is uh, very much in question. As dry as uh, some areas of the Western Corn Belt have been so far this summer, and so uh, corn had a pretty wild day. We've had a heck of a rally going into this report. Uh, at one point, July corn is up twenty four twenty five cents. Um, Closes the day higher, but well off the highs, up eight and a quarter. D's corn up six and three quarters, six sixteen and a half. Uh, unless it starts raining somewhere soon in the Western Corn Belt, and in very general manner, not just scattered. You know, one mm-hmm. county got a thunderstorm. Uh, you're going to have good support in corn. Any hiccup or any furthering or expansion of this dry weather in the Western Corn Belt into late June or the first 10 days of July 
And uh, this market could get explosively bullish in corn. There's just no margin for error. Uh, on the bean side, a little bit of a mixed bag. The be- they, they, they're actually, in my opinion, playing with the numbers a little bit. They increased the bean carryout by 15 million to 135. Did nothing for new crop, so that flowed through. Increased um, new crop bean carryout 15 to 155. Both of those are still very, very tight. And uh, you know, again, unless we have a 50 plus bushel national average yield you could cut this further very easily. And so the, the bean market has been a little bit uh, sluggish here. J- July beans didn't haven't been acting very well. Closed the day uh, quite a bit lower here and way off the highs, 18 and a half lower, about uh, 32 and a half off the highs. November beans are actually up 11 and a quarter, 14.59 and a half. It's not a good combination of that spread when the, when the old crop's not leading the way higher, it's that's not a bullish signal, and so uh, we got to watch the bean market um, closely. But still, I don't think the bottom falls out because you you know you got a long way to go before we get a bean crop, a fifty plus bushel national average bean crop out here. The other big thing the market was looking for uh, Brazil corn. They were down three and a half million tons to ninety eight and a half. Yeah. USDA is not going right. to be the, the aggressive one there. So they're still kind of on the high side. There's a lot of those private at Conab actually was out today. They were like 96, four, I believe cut at 10 million. Yeah. So, um, that's out that of the way. Now it's all about the weather. Casey, it's tell me if it's yeah. going to rain or not. And I'll tell you with corns going back to five bucks or, uh, on its way to eight and a half or nine. Yeah. So I was looking at that. I've been watching that re- the reports out of Brazil this week, especially leading up to this report, because this this report typically is kind of a really didn't mean much, right? But they were, but it did. I mean, there were some surprises here that popped up, but that Brazilian number has been getting cut down, and, and like you said, the the, the Conab part there at down at ninety six million metric tons. That's a that's a big big chunk missing there, and like you said, the weather is playing a big a big part of this here let's let's talk about what's going on with uh, wheat for just a second here so this report came out today talking about wheat um combines are rolling through texas oklahoma and they're starting to flirt with uh into kansas here a little bit very southern parts of kansas and looks like here they were up five bushels is that right well there, we did have some acres yeah we had some some wheat numbers out today uh, wheat's very much in a follower role here to what corn does. Um, did close a little bit higher today. Minneapolis wheat was was stronger. Uh, obviously, the dry weather affecting that Minneapolis wheat. But yeah, the the Kansas City and Chicago wheat are going to be a follower to corn. Um, they did decrease old crop wheat carryout by twenty million. Um, world wheat carryout was uh, was bumped up about just shy of two million tons. There's not much in the way of um, huge changes in these wheat numbers. So a little bit of a yawner today from a wheat perspective, but it's going to very much be a follower of, of whatever corn does. Corn continues higher on dry weather. That will you know, undoubtedly drag the, uh, the wheat with it. And we need to kind of watch, uh, even though it seems... Like we got ample supplies here and, and we do, it's a, a world market. So yeah. 
that's it's more of uh there's some issues cropping up maybe some dry weather maybe more winter kill than what we had in parts of russia and ukraine yeah they've had drier weather and so uh some world issues might be overshadowing our good crop yeah. here so we're looking at these u.s carryout numbers here on wheat they showed it to be down uh 852 million bushels um for uh, for 20 to 21 down from 872 may at the same time last year so a little bit there but go run down and start looking at the world carryouts and to your point um they didn't really say much here i mean they show the russian wheat at you know, 85.35 million metric tons compared to the exact same number from last year. Like you can tell the USDA is not going to put their neck out no. there very far because everybody's got the exact same amount they had exactly. the year before. So, so as you go to this report, take a look at that, but the reports coming out of Russia and, and Ukraine, especially, you know, Russia's kind of like China, you know, look at what they're doing um, and not what they're saying. And they're still, they're ramping up that, that export tax on wheat still. Um, it's cracked it up a little bit from what it was a month ago. So I guess um, kind of, I guess what's your reaction to wheat here? I mean, I'm just asking these questions because it's we're in wheat harvest right now and, and spring wheat and the damage that we're seeing in North Dakota and those kind of things. Um, and again, into Canada with the spring wheat, I, I guess. So what, what's your thought with, with wheat? Do you think it's something that could really have a, have a good shot to take off and have some good support because of what they're seeing? Um, in these areas or is this kind of one of those wait till January and find out what's in the bin? I, I think in, in, in the case of some of these other countries, why, why the USDA is just in the middle of the road is it's, it's hard to get good information, right? You know, right. Especially yeah. out of Russia, they say one thing, one day, one thing, the next 180 degrees and keeps everyone's uh, head spinning. So uh, I, I, I think that weed is going to be well supported on breaks, especially uh, if the Dakotas, Montana, that Northern Plains area stays dry and further harms the spring wheat. Um, that just, you know, tightens up the total protein, uh, reserves of, of this country. Uh, I do think the black sea area maybe holds a key to this and we'll have to see what their harvest looks like, but it just may take a while to figure out what they have over there. And then you almost have to see, all right, despite the export tax, you know, how much is it? What are they really exporting out of that area? And and I think the world market, the cash market will figure it out and, and you know, futures will respond. Uh, but I don't see a lot of downside anytime soon. It, it, it may be, the upside may be limited a little bit. Um, but for sure, if corn is on the way to some higher level because of, you know, production dropping due to dry weather, it's going to drag wheat with it. And uh, so they're going to be tied at the hip a little bit here for a few months. Okay. Let's talk about uh, the dollar right now. So they, with uh, exports, what we're seeing there, obviously exports are tied everywhere. There's not a lot to be exported. The U.S. dollar is favorable, favorable to exports right now. As you take a look at that kind of long-term through this, you know, do you expect China to, if, if we start seeing some, uh, production issues with corn and soybeans through the summer. Do you expect them to start coming in and trying to buy more exports with ahead of any kind of crop problem we might have? Uh, yeah. And in, in fact, the way July corn acted uh, yesterday, today, uh, the way we bottomed that, it, it to me, it felt like maybe there was some old crop pricing in there. Um, and I, I do think China is going to be watching pretty closely. And it almost is. It, you know, doesn't matter what the exchange rate is. Um, it, it seems like, you know, they, the dollar keeps going lower. 
they may still keep buying. And so, you know, they haven't, um, our export sales report today wasn't stellar, but it was still positive numbers. We're not seeing big cancellations. We're still seeing, you know, slightly uh, positive export sales on old crop. And so again, that's one of the reasons why the USDA raised uh, exports today on, on old crop corn. So, uh, yeah, China is going to be a big factor in this, um, should be starting to run out of South American beans in the near future out of Brazil. And uh, right. so then they'd shift back to here if they need some more. So we could maybe see a surge of, of some old, now the July beans don't act like that, uh, that there's immediate demand here, but uh, that doesn't mean that you couldn't just wake up one morning and, you know, see China back in for a large amount of corn and, and beans. So that's going to be always in the back of the market's mind as far as, uh, you know, how much more does China have to buy? Are they, are they done? Is it last, that, that the last they're ever going to buy or are they just <clears throat> right. getting started and going to buy a massive amount of new crop now too? So that remains to be seen. Yep. All right, let's jump over and talk about the livestock sector for just a minute. When you look at what's going on in cattle, cattle prices, there is a, uh, it's been a little dip there, a little pressure. You're seeing some stuff. There's getting to be uh, with this whole um, kind of ramping things back up with the whole cyber attack deal and all those kind of things. But as you take a look at at what we see happening uh, with you on the pork side and beef side as we head into this you know peak grilling season, um, prices have gone up on box beef for sure. Um, there's some inflation there that we've seen kind of pop up. But I guess as you take a look at what's going on, I mean, what are your thoughts there, and where do you see uh, some some trigger points? Yeah, you know, we're within shouting distance of all-time highs in the in the uh, hogs, uh, probably mm -hmm. 10 bucks away. Uh, sounds like a lot, but when, you know, you're moving like the hogs move, that that's uh, not that far away. Um, right. Strong demand. China's been a, a big buyer. They've tailed off a little bit. They were still in for, I think, around uh, 9,000 uh, metric tons of, of U.S. pork this week. Um, you know, weeks past, we've seen them in for... 35 to 45,000 tons. So that's backed off just a little bit. Uh, picking up some, some news uh, that, especially in uh, Minnesota, that uh, PERS is, is uh, kind of popping back up. That's uh, going to maybe curtail uh, potential total production there. And, and so things look strong for sure on the pork side. The old saying, the cure for high prices is high prices. What that means is that, you know, in, in, if we can, if producers can, they're going to take advantage and expand and try to take advantage of these higher prices. And so that's what high prices do is encourage additional production and expansion. And eventually we're going to see that if we can get the health issues figured out. Um, so things look good for now. And it doesn't seem like uh, any break is able to be sustained in hogs. But in the same breath, I think you got to look at profit margins and these deferred hogs, you know, are in the at or above 90 way out into the deferreds. And that just doesn't happen very often. And, and so I think we need to really watch margins and profitability out there and, you know, be ready to take some uh, pretty heavy action to protect the prices here. Cattle side is much more challenging. We are just stuck in the mud going nowhere fast. Uh, probably going on two months now, we're just going sideways. Rallies can't be sustained. The sell-offs uh, aren't followed through onto the downside. We're just going sideways. The deferreds are acting better, 
But, uh, you know, in spite of box beef, putting a nice rally in here, we just can't get the cash market turned for higher. And it seems stuck at 120 for, you know, the better part of the last two months. And uh, I think eventually we'll break out of that. I think this heat that you're seeing in the plains probably is going to, you know, speed up uh, weights dropping. You're, you're seeing a lot of uh, cow slaughter and, and you know, Heifers not being retained, put back on feed because of the drought conditions. And and so I think we'll eventually see the benefit of that and things out ahead of us look much better. But it's been a long, uh, slow grind here. And it's been a little frustrating that the cattle market has just been stuck in the, seems like 116 to 120 for a long time, three or four months now. And I think eventually better things are coming, but it's been a it's been a long ride in the cattle market. Yes, it has. All right, last thing here as we head into the summer driving season, and we start looking at you know going into harvest and what that looks like as far as as fuel consumption goes. Looks like oil closed up below, uh, up above uh, West Texas anyway, up around the uh, up around the seventy dollar mark. A lot of the futures, you know, you start looking at July, August, and September futures are hovering right around that seventy dollar mark. Oil has has really had a pretty good run here in the last sixty days, comparatively to where it's been. You know, it's kind of banging around that, that mid fifties to to out to lower sixties for a long time. Couldn't get past that that point, and now here here of late, it's really shot up. So, what's your thoughts on oil as we move forward um, in the summer here? Yeah, you're finally seeing um, you know, <clears throat> gasoline demand uh, kind of get back towards uh, or achieve the levels. Uh, that we saw pre-COVID. So that's a good thing. The demand's pretty good. Um, and and the sell-offs don't hold very long. And and so you know, a lot of people saying $90, $100 crude coming. Um, I, I would never say never. I, I don't know if we're quite to that stage yet. But, you know, we had uh, the CPI inflation numbers out today. They were uh, yeah. much higher than expected. And, and so if that continues... That's going to spill over and, you know, there's uh, nothing that's more inflationary or attracts speculator money than the energy markets and the oil markets. So um, if we continue with this inflationary type um, uh, pressures and talk and the numbers keep coming out, uh, you know, hotter inflation than expected, uh, you know, I think you probably still have the upside, you know, at least to 80 bucks, maybe higher in the crude oil. That'll help, you know, spill over and, and, uh, you know, the driving numbers are helping, you know, spur some ethanol usage and higher crude oil will, uh, you know, help ethanol profitability in spite of, you know, six, $7 corn. And so that probably is a, is a good thing from a ag standpoint, maybe not so good from a consumer pocketbook standpoint, but, um, for now it looks like uh, the path of least resistance for, uh, the energy markets and crude oil is higher. The dollar is going to be part of that. And the dollar has been in a, a couple months kind of sloppy sideways range here. And it's, you don't know yet if, if this is a bottom uh, or just a pause before we head a lot lower. And, you know, the trend is for down. So you got to kind of bet for that right now. But uh, the dollar is going to play, you know, a big part of this inflation game going forward. And it's, it's a little bit, uh, it's called partly cloudy right now as to which direction the dollar is going to, going to go here in the short run. Yeah. Well, good stuff as usual, Chip. Folks want to reach out to you and talk about the plan. I mean, right now, 
it's, it's just the craziness of the day. You know, we were talking about before we started recording, you know, 40 to 60 cents swing in the day in, in, in corn and beans um, can really play some havoc on a plan. So if folks are working on that plan and want to get some more information on kind of what you guys do at Blue Reef, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just call our office. It's 309-550-7213. Uh, it's going to be uh, an interesting uh, three or four weeks ahead of us with this weather. And uh, critically important to have a plan and then execute on your plan. So uh, certainly open to, to talking to anybody that uh, would like a little advice and a little more help on that. One last question before we shut it down. When you're looking at this next three to four weeks what are the signals you're looking forward to start saying like okay there's going to be a weather problem or is it you know do we have another because like out here we're supposed to have you know 30 mile an hour winds and 95 degree plus temperatures which is not that uncommon but it's about 30 days too early for that kind of weather so i guess when you what are you watching weather wise that's going to tell you that hey we know this is just, these markets are going to get triggered and start moving yeah, well, that's a tough call because it's it's entirely weather, and the market has big swings right. based on changing weather models. So, um, a, I think you got to watch and and see if that high pressure ridge that's kind of set up over the uh, you know northern uh, kind of northwest section of the Corn Belt right now is is going to be stationary. If it starts moving, that means that uh, you know there's going to be better chances of of rainfall. So. Might be a case, uh, and, and you can do a lot of work on the technicals and the charts. And here's support, here's resistance. But in a weather market, that kind of goes out the window. You can, you know, blow through support and resistance based on changes in the weather. You almost have to, I think the next two weeks are going to be very, very critical. Um, and, and the Western Corn Belt needs some general rain, more than, you know, two to four tenths, half inch right. type stuff. They're going to need some inch plus uh, a rainfall. I think you can argue that we're already into a weather problem based on how uh, short subsoil moisture is and how you know below average uh, rainfall there has been in the Western Corn Belt, and that means it, they got a good start to it, good planning, early planning, but uh, they need rain and and regular rain because there's not anything in the in the tank as far as subsoil moisture goes. So, uh, tough question, Casey, you, you, you got to try to keep the emotion out of it. Like you mentioned 60 cent ranges in beans here a couple times this week today, you had a 30 cent range in corn. Um, and, and I, I think though, going into the, the next two weeks, say the 25th to 30th or so, uh, last week of, of June, if we haven't seen some significant rainfall and there's no rain in the forecast, the two week forecast, and it's still 90 degrees for the Western corn belt. I think the market's going to assume we aren't going to have a trend line yield and start adjusting backwards. And, you know, the market uh, probably spends time at a higher level than we're at today. If you start seeing the pattern change and rains starting to hit, um, you know, that to me says maybe things are changing. But the problem is you could still see big swings and ultimately go a lot higher based on final results. Point being, there, there's some tools out there. Uh, uh, puts calls uh, lots of different strategies you could use to lock floors in and keep upside open so you can kind of be right no matter what happens and that's more the key than trying to gamble on this and saying well, i'm gonna bet that iowa burns up this year and we go to eight dollar corn well that's fine if it happens but if it doesn't you're left holding the bag so i think the key to that is 
be willing to use the tools available because if you're in an area that's got good rain and you have good potential right now, looking at, you know, probably second best ever gross margins in corn and beans right now, if you achieve, you know, average or better than average yields. So, um, a lot of money on the table. So I think the important part of that is don't try to outguess the weather, the weather models or bet on a drought, but be willing to use all the tools available so that you can lock floors in and still have upside if corn does go to eight, $9, something stupid like that. Well, good stuff, Chip, man. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Not a problem, Casey. Look forward to talking to you next time. Could be uh, exciting things ahead of us. Yep. These, uh, these weeks are getting, uh, more and more exciting, uh, by the, by the days it feels like. All right. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, that's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, uh, also any blogs I've posted there as well. Go to movingironllc.com for the entire library of the Moving Iron Podcast, as well as all the blogs I've written are there as well. Go to the navigation bar at the top and you'll see all the information there for the Moving Iron Summit. Once you click on the tab and you'll get all the information about the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, September 15th through the 17th. So a lot of good information there, a lot of good places to go. So with that, I am Casey Seymour, Chip Nellinger. Let's get this iron folks out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hard working people.